No matter the industry, leaders need to hold these things dear. Who we serve, how we serve, why we serve. This is People Process Service, a frontline source group podcast. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. It's Bill Casco with Frontline Source Group. I am running solo today because my counterparts uh, all bailed on me. So I am uh, very lucky today to be joined uh, by Amin Bentaharz. Did I say that right? You said that okay. right. Because normally I butcher names. No, you did great. I, yeah. I'm terrible. I know Everybody my name laughs is, at me. I know my name is super common. So. No, it is. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, here, here's the thing. He has written a book. Uh, called uh, Voice Search, the new search engine that is on, on Amazon. I went and bought some copies of the book. He was Thank nice you. enough to sign a few for us today. It's a fascinating book we're going to talk about. Uh, but this is the People in Process Service uh, podcast here uh, from Frontline Source Group. It's all about the three pillars that we believe in, uh, about the people you've interacted with and the process that you go through to generate the service that you have and whether the service, again, is the business or in life or whatever it may be. So we're just going to sit and talk about that. And so thank you for being here today. I'm excited to kind of dive in here a little bit. No, thanks a lot for having me today. No wrong answers. Just remember that, okay? That, so no. so walk us kind of through, you know, reading your book was very fascinating to understand where you started to where you're at. And, and there are a lot of different areas in here and even looking over where you've worked, uh, that I, I, love, I mean, there's all different parts that are so cool to talk about. Yeah. Kind of walk us through where sure. you're at and where we're at today. So um, I'd like to start from the beginning. So I was born and raised in Morocco. Um, I was blessed enough to go to an international school that allowed me to come to the States, go to school here. Uh, once I got my bachelor deg degrees here, I decided to go and experience other parts of the world. So my first job was out in Doha, Qatar working for an American company. Okay. It was my first job in online marketing. I was the online marketing coordinator for the group Hyatt, the hotels. They were opening their first property in Doha, Qatar, and they were like, we're looking for someone who speaks Arabic, French, and English, who understands digital marketing. So I think I was the only applicant. So that's how I got the job. Right. Because I was definitely not qualified for it. And so I you know, found myself leaving Pennsylvania to Doha, Qatar, where it was 110 degrees. I did that for about a year, and then a very good friend of mine approached me who was working for Microsoft at the time in Istanbul, in Turkey, and said, again, there's this gig, and they're looking for someone who understands digital marketing and speaks all the languages that you speak. Uh, I was like, well, sure, you know, submit my resume. Two weeks later, I moved in. I was in Istanbul for two years, and, and truly joining Microsoft was probably one of the best moves of my career. I was really lucky um, to be part of a team that encouraged innovation. I remember my first week into the job, they sent me to a panel to represent Microsoft. And the two people that were on that panel was the director of marketing for Apple and the other one of Google. Both were with the company for 10 years. Oh, wow. And I was into the job, you know, I was right. 22 years old. <laughs> They're like, here you go. You're representing Microsoft. <laughs> right. Here are the 10 things you can talk about. And and from there, I you know, I, I worked with Microsoft for about six or seven years. Um, worked in different positions, got to travel the world, which was also something that I've always enjoyed doing. And then um, my manager at the time thought that it would be a great idea for me to get a graduate degree. And she you know, was like, you should start looking for a good school and we'll help. I landed at Texas A&M University Commerce, but in here actually on Main Street. Okay. I got my degree right here on Main Street. And in my first day into school, I met my ex-wife. 
Uh, I was supposed to be here for a year. I don't know. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You I say mean, that. Like, I mean, I came it, to it, Dallas and I met my ex-wife. I, I mean, it, it was a good thing right. for sure. I mean, you know, I love Dallas and it feels like my second home for sure. Right. Um, so I was supposed to be here for a year, relocate to Seattle. And then eight years later, I'm still here. And, uh, and so after getting my degree and working for Microsoft at the same time, the Hilton actually worldwide okay. was moving uh, and starting a new team here. So I was one of their first hires, was there for about two years. Then I you know, got another gig working in fashion. And then the same guys took me with them to this startup that was backed by Alibaba. I was the, non, the only non-Chinese executive of that firm. So I used to sit on board meetings where you know, it's five hours long, four hours and a half in Chinese and half an hour in English. Uh, I enjoyed I, this it. This is like a, a Seinfeld lot. episode. I mean, this is, you're <laughs> was, all over the place was, here, was, aren't you? I, I'm all over the map. Yeah. I'm all over the map. So, um, I, and I did that for about a year, which, and I really enjoyed that experience because I really had to challenge myself a lot. I mean, I'm used to the European, you know, Middle Eastern, American culture, but again, working with a Chinese based company was, right. a, it's a whole different experience. Right. And a lot of what I learned in grad school did not apply at all, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, so it was a great experience, but I was, Traveling back and forth, I used to live in Frisco, and I would work in Silicon Valley Monday through Thursday and go to China once a month in Taiwan. So I did that for about a year, and as you can imagine, I went to the doctor once, and he was like, I was like, I don't know, I'm feeling weird. And he's like, I've never met somebody as jet-lagged as you are. So, right, right. So that's what it was. But and, I've got frequent flyer miles. Yeah, oh yeah, I can travel for, I mean, I travel, I'm actually going to Asia next week for a month, so, wow. and it's all thanks to the miles that I earned from the past <laughs> life. Um, and so I did that for about a year and then I decided that I needed something more stable and a good friend of mine introduced me to my business partner who at the time just acquired Advantix Digital. Um, and that's a digital agency based here in Dallas. Right. And we met in Starbucks at like every grand American story. It starts either a garage or a Starbucks. So we met there and we talked about the vision and, you know, I, I come from the client side. I never really worked in the service industry. I was always the guy that everybody wanted, you know, the business from. Um, so I told him, well, I can tell you the things that frustrate me about working with vendors. And so if we work together, here are all the changes we need to make. And by the way, you're probably not going to make money for a while because I'm going to have to restructure this whole company and hire new people and do this and do that. Shook hands. And four years later, here we are. You know, we've been partners ever since. And today you're the CEO. I'm the right? COO. COO. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So as you think about that entire experience and, and, Geez, there is a lot yes. built in here. I can't even keep up with myself. <laughs> I, I, I am still back on how you, I'm still trying to figure out how you ended up in Dallas. Uh, so the, the, the people that you interacted with from the beginning, uh, how they influenced you to where you are today as a COO running this company, talk to us about that and about the, the interaction of the, those individuals that wor you work with today. You, Microsoft, I'd read, you had a team of like 40 people. That was actually a tutor group. It was, okay. it was the startup uh, that was backed by Alibaba. Okay. That's where I had a team of 40. So you, so you had this team and now today your team? Is about 50 plus, right. including contractors and everyone, yeah. And and how that interaction with them and how does that really operate yeah, to influence? so, you know, I think every single person in this room even has been influenced by a couple of people in their lives. It could be a teacher, it could be a coach, it could be, I think in my case, it's been a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I had teachers who really believed in me even though my grades weren't there. And they told me, yes, you can do it. And yes, you're going to you know, make it out there. I would always remember I had this teacher who used to make 
fun of me because I would say I'm going to go to America and do marketing. And I'm like, sure, <laughs> you know, America, the country where marketing was created, is the need of a Moroccan guy to fly there and teach right. them marketing. And I actually teach at a university marketing. And that's how funny, right. you know, life can be. And then, you know, you meet people, bosses that really challenge you, um, mentors that some of them actually are clients today. And these would be my bosses just five, six years ago. And those are people that hired me, for example, even though I didn't have any fashion experience. And I really wanted to learn more. Yeah, let's about talk the about this fashion world. thing. That that yeah. was one of those that threw me off because we're talking about this, on, and all of a sudden you go, "I went into the fashion industry." Yes. What What are you talking about? So are I was you designing something. No, not at all. I, I was always here? in the e-commerce and marketing space, okay. but of the fashion world. Okay. So I was working for the apparel group, and they're the largest manufacturer of dress shirts in the world. So. Mm -hmm. Think you're wearing one, I'm wearing one. Most likely, there's one chance out of five that it's one of theirs. Wow. So they manufacture for a lot of big brands. And they also, at the time when they hired me, they were in the process of acquiring brands that they wanted to kind of manicure and rebrand and, you know, take to the market again. And out of 50 people that they interviewed, um, I was the only one, I think, without any retail experience or whatsoever. And, and I still got the job because of, you know, my mentor, Lance Itkoff, shout out to him here today. And he's actually a client as well today, which right. is kind of awesome. But he's so, you know, I think a lot of things in me, he's like, this guy is a self, you know, entrepreneur. He likes to build things and he's gonna learn the difference between a button down and, you know, <laughs> that's that's super easy. So I think, uh, when people like that gives you give you you know shot in life, it teaches you a lot. Like I hire a lot of people that have zero digital marketing experience, or I, I remember I had a girl that walked to my office about two years ago, who built her own Instagram account and tried to be kind of an influencer, and I could see the effort there. So I brought her on board. She worked with us for a year, and then actually one of my fashion clients hired her as their main social media person. Um, wow! So because of that experience, I learned that I need to give shots to people. Right. Whether even if in paper they might not look perfect fit, I need to give them a chance and meet them and hear their stories and, and see whether or not, you know, they are hungry at the end of the day because I was hungry and I still am today, but I was hungry at the time and someone gave me a shot. And same goes with Microsoft. Every time there was any opportunities, again, you know, I didn't go to an Ivy school. And as you can imagine, a lot of these big companies, if you don't go to Harvard or Yale or one of these big schools, they don't even right. look at you. Right. Um, but I didn't, I was lucky again to c come across some amazing managers that didn't care about any of that. They were more about, you know, it's all about you and it's all about what you want to do and how can we get you there and we'll help you as long as you promise us that you're going to give us 100%. And, yeah. um, and that's my philosophy today. When I meet people, you might not be the perfect candidate. You might not have all the skills that I'm looking for, but if you're hungry and if you're motivated, I'll give you a shot. So you mentioned multiple mentors that have helped you along the way, yes. right? <clears throat> and then and then the people that you're giving a shot to, do you feel like what you're doing now is mentoring back because you're you're giving back to these people because that's what you went through? Or do you feel like you're always uh, in need of that, having a mentor and then giving back as well from a mentoring? Because that's a really interesting thing to, to look at. So I, I wouldn't call myself, well, I do mentor with through RevTech. I don't know if you guys are familiar with RevTech. They're a local uh, early seed investment firm that invests in retail and e-com. So I work with some startups and help them out in that way. Okay. But in terms of like the people that I hire, I think it's just not about mentoring them because I'll be honest with you, it's not like I spend a lot of time with them once they join and I spent, you know, so I have other people in the team that do that and they're really good at it. But I do think uh, in a way it was a lesson for me that I have to always kind of give back by giving and not give back, you know, it's like, you know, writing a check to an NGO, which we also got to do, but it's more about 
like people have given me, I mean, even today, there are businesses that give me a shot. I'm a very small boutique agency. I, I recently went against two massive, huge media companies. I can't, I don't know if I can say the name or not, but they're, yeah, they're, they're, it's Omnicom and Bilo, and uh-huh. I won. Okay. Right? So uh, at the end of the day, why? Because someone at that company saw potential in my firm. Right. So I think it's as long as you can, and I believe in karma. So I'm like, if you continue giving chances to people who deserve it at the end of the day, right? right? I think it's going to come back to you in 10 times more. So that's just kind of my karma, you know, my philosophy. Like no, so, and, so you end up at Advantix and you go in to redo everything, right? Yes. So do we do we burn it down to the ground? I mean, pretty what much. Do we, okay. So <laughs> pretty much. So out with the old pretty, and in comes the new. Pretty much. So Advantix, okay. when, when we first, or my, when my business partner acquired it and I joined as a partner, it was a digital agency for car dealers. Okay. And uh, if anyone has ever worked in, with the car industry, like they have very high turnover, you start building a relationship with the GM and we, he has a bad month and he's gone or she has a bad month and she's gone. Um, so it was very hard to sustain and scale, you know, and also, honestly, it's not an industry that, that I really enjoyed being in. So, you know, I looked at all of my contacts and I'm like, well, I know people in the software industry and in healthcare and um, I mean, e-commerce, retail, fashion. fashion. Yes. <laughs> so, and it's funny because right now I think about 30% of all my clients are fashion. Right. And then we have, uh, we work also with a lot of private equity firms. Okay. Um, so instead of just working with the brands themselves, right, I go after the guys who own the brands or have invested in the brands because those guys only care about one metric and that's return on ad spend. And that's the language we speak on you know, my firm is I don't talk to him about how many you know clicks you get or any of that. I just tell him you're going to spend a dollar and I'm going to bring five back to you because that's the language that those guys speak. Interesting. So we've changed completely the way. I mean, we're not your typical digital agency. We also do consulting. Actually, I think about 10 or 15 percent of my business is consulting. So we get hired by firms to come and look under the hood either before they acquire new brands or look at their existing portfolio companies. So I just come, came in and created new products. I have a thing called digital due diligence, uh, and it's actually in the process of being trademarked. And that's a process that I created um, with the team where, again, before, if you're an investor and you want to buy any business, you hire us to tell you, well, here is how you can improve your bottom line. Here is um, you know, how you're there wasting dollars in marketing. Here's the trends in the market. Like right. you're, if you're gonna come into this industry, get ready to spend X amount of dollars because your main three competitors are spending X amount with Google or Facebook or whatever. So we have access to a lot of proprietary data and, and most agencies give that for free and I'm against that. Like we need to start monetizing what we right. know. And I think in our service industry, and I think you guys in the recruitment industry is the same, there is no barrier of entry. So anybody can hang a shingle and call them himself or themselves, right. you That's know, right. an agency. And at That's the end not of, so easy. You know, but at the end of the day, um, I mean, I, again, I think that, that, that makes it a commodity, right? And I don't want to be in an right. industry where, like, people look at us as a commodity because we're not. We're really providing value. And part of that, and, and I agree with you 100%, because I always say that the, our industry is a commodity, unfortunately. That's yeah. the way that we're treated. And our clients... Uh, who treat us like that are, well, they're no longer our clients. We, we prefer not to do business with them because yeah. that's not how we operate. So to do that with your new business, you, you, and you hit on two interesting points, uh, giving people a chance, not looking for the Harvard people. Literally, uh, last week, Scott Lowe with 5G Architects was in here and discussed nothing but top schools only. I mean, perfect geniuses. Incred- I mean, the mindset was a total different spectrum. Now you're looking at it 
from a whole different angle. And so when you are when you evaluate what you're looking for to build your team with these people, what what is it? What's at the core of that? I mean, is it the drive? Is it something you just see? I mean, there's something that obviously you're surrounding yourself with great people. So what is that secret? Yeah, absolutely. And I think honestly, for an agency our size, I'm very blessed. And I think uh, there are some people like April here who knows a lot of my employees. I attract a lot of great talent from very big agencies. And the reason is, um, well, first I come and I allow them to build their own teams and you know, I, I let them be. I'm not like, I think, um, one of actually my mentors always told me, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're doing something wrong. Right. Uh, and I will always remember that advice. So I try to go to any room with my team and look like the dumbest guy in the room. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I've been successful at that lately. So <laughs> she's great. <laughs> so I, I call that a win. I think, well, there are definitely certain things depending on the jobs, right? You need different skill sets for certain jobs. If you're going to be my analytical guy, um, probably if you have a math degree or statistics or you've, or even you worked in finance, you clearly like numbers, right? So you need somebody with that mindset who can read numbers and interpret the data and come to you with like, I looked at this, here are the trends and here's what's going on and here's how we can right fix it. So you definitely do not need the most social person or you do not need the, you know, like similar to someone who is your account manager, who is going to be interacting with the client every day. So they need to be more outspoken, be maybe more, more energetic, be better at communicating. So I think it really depends on the jobs. But we definitely look at skills at the end of the day because that's what people pay us for. Like right. when people tell me, why are you in the business of, I'm like business of talent because I built a talented team. So now people are paying money to get access to my team, period. That's all I did. Because if you think about it, like what we do can be taught you can take a class online with Coursera and, and you understand the basics of search engine optimization. Of course, I mean, that does not make you an expert like someone who's been doing it for 10 years, but at least you can start your career that way. So I think um, for me, what matters again is making sure that you have the basic skills that we need. But of course, for again, managerial roles and things like that, I'm lo I look at experience, having worked for either the client side or the agency side. So like, again, depending on the jobs, right. but to me, skills is there. And second, it's personality, cultural fit. Are you going to be a good, I mean, I've turned down great candidates because I knew they were going to come to my company and be miserable just because of the culture that we built. Right. Um, so that to me, it's also extremely important. If you want to keep your employees happy, make sure you bring in employees that, that are in a lot of ways like them, right? right? Where there is that culture where they get along and, you know, I mean, it's a, it's kind of Disneyland in a way, but like that, that's, that's a fact. I mean, that's why I think, I mean, I know you guys are in the HR world and you know that there are so many reports that shows people don't stay with companies because of money or raises or right. it's because of the culture. Right. And especially with the millennials, I mean, I, I know firsthand that that's what right. they care the most about. It's the culture. So the, the mentors and the people that you surrounded yourself with and what you surround today, the, the people that around you kind of talk to us about, the influence, you know, not just from the extensive history of, of going from where you started to where you're at today, which is fascinating, but what, what really influenced you today to have that drive? I mean, is there a person that did that? Is there something special that happened? Yeah, I think it started, well, my grandfather and I did. Uh, yeah, it was incredible. Yes. Yeah, tell that. Go ahead so, and tell that story. So, yeah, so my father was a freedom fighter. Um, Morocco was a French colony, and um, he was a farmer. He never went to school. He couldn't read and write. And he was jailed, I think, at the age of 18 because he was a freedom fighter and he was out there, you know, making trouble and kicking the yeah. Frenchies out of Morocco. <laughs> um, and when he went to jail, he, he was there for two years and he spent the two years teaching himself how to read and write because he realized 
that you know like in order to make it in life you need you know you need to pursue a good education i mean you need to at least know how to read and write and then he made a promise and imagine being that young that all of his kids will go to the university and he did deliver on that promise wow and we're talking in a country where the minimum wage is 300 dollars a year so uh and you are a farmer so he's someone that i think um you know my my family did really well his kids most of them did really really well in life which is awesome um i mean some are professors and you know i mean again and quite an amazing story right. but then that drive i think started with him because he had that vision for our family where uh whatever we go in the world we better go and grind and it doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account it's just in our dna right. like you meet people in my family that could have retired 20 years ago and they still work every day as if they're broke and and believe me and it's quite amazing and right. i think growing up in that environment where uh, i had access to all those people around me and uh, kind of you know i i was born with that i, I always like to say that that work ethic that just absolutely and then right. you know i'm an, i'm an immigrant to this country i'm a proud us citizen as well and i think also when you come here you have a complete different perspective right i wasn't born here i didn't go to school here i mean i came to college but that was again i, I didn't do my high school here or i don't have my primary school education here and you got divorced here <laughs> you know i i've had other great experiences here <laughs> just put it that way uh, i got to you know experience the legal system in america it's <laughs> great right. it's hold everyone the healthcare it's that's awesome that's right yeah uh, so i think you know to me i always see you know things in a different perspective i'm really grateful to be here I don't take anything for granted so I wake up every day and I remind myself that there are millions of people that would die to be here right. so I should not waste my time. No, so. it's fascinating to hear that and to see it actually in action to see someone actually go through all of this. So you're we talk about the people we talk about the process and you think about where you're at is there anything or or, or what's kind of led you to to understand and to know how to go in to really create and change the the culture the environment of where you're at today. I mean, what what influenced that portion of it that you live by basically, yeah, right? Yeah, I think it's the experiences that I've had and I think early on on my career, again I got the chance to work with some of the biggest companies in the world and also I think I was 26 years old when I was the GM of that startup and, you know, overnight I'm overseeing 40 people in crazy budget. And you look at that. Do you ever that, meet Bill Gates? You know, no, no. no. Okay, Steve yeah. Ballmer, and yeah. he probably will never remember me. But, yeah. you know, I did. He was loud on stage. You know, <laughs> he was a great guy. But never met Bill. But we had the chat system. Right. I swear, I had Bill open so many times, and I'm like, what would they even tell him? Like, right. You know, and would I lose my job? Right, <laughs> you know, those right. were my two biggest right. concerns. But uh, randomly I got, send him an email and said, "Hey, I'd be like, hey, just want to say thanks <laughs> yes. for building a great company. <laughs> you know, like, what would you say to and to a guy that I respect a lot? I mean, he got to a point where he's, you know, he got out and he's spending ninety percent of his fortune giving back, not to a country but to the world. And right. to me, it's it's a great lesson to a lot of us that are right. just, you know, going after all this fortune. But when you die, you don't take it with you. So right. make sure you do good with it. Um, no, I think to me, it's honestly a lot of." this experiences that I have had so everywhere I don't think I've ever had a bad experience that's why I tell people I just have experiences some are better than others but I think everywhere I've gone I've learned something either about culture or about myself or about like things that I saw that I'm like well if I'm ever in charge I will make sure that these things will never happen under my watch right. or if I see something great and I'm like man if I'm ever in charge I'm implementing this day one because it's great so I think it's the mix of all the experiences and I think what makes me also different is again I've worked in different parts of the world so I got to experience very different ways of doing business when you talk about the chinese culture it's all about hierarchy and like 
like I remember I went to a meeting once and everybody stood up because I'm the GM and I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like versus here, I can't wear in shorts. Feel like, hey, dude, how are you? Yeah. How's your weekend? <laughs> you know, you go to France, it's different dynamics there. You go to they more... actually work. I thought they were they're always yeah. I mean, locations. I mean, we, they work. You know, like nine to three. No, I'm just right, kidding. Right. No, I mean they work when they're not in strike. But yes, right, so right. it's uh, it's a different culture though. It's a different right. culture, and I gotta respect that. I mean, in a way, they do a great job having a work-life balance, which I think here we claim that we all provide that, but the reality is we're all married to our phones and I go on vacation. If I don't check my emails, I freak out. Like it's just, we're not wired to be that way. They right. are wired to go on vacation for three months and not check anything or go on maternity leave for a year and not worry about anything. So, so you're working there. Yes. And yet you didn't fall into that. Yes. I think again, I'm, I'm, there are certain aspects of it that I love. I think, I mean, and again, I, have, I don't have kids, uh, but I've experienced it firsthand with my sister and my cousin who's really close to me. And I mean, asking somebody to come back to work after three months is a joke, after they deliver the baby. Yeah. So there are certain aspects of the French you know, way of doing business that I completely agree with. And I think also as a dad, you need to spend time with your kid. I mean, it's right. a big life-changing event. Again, I haven't gone through it myself, but I know that it's something that it's life changing. It, it, uh, I can. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it through just my sister and cousin. It's, the, it's it a gift me, that just yes. keeps on giving. Let me tell you, <laughs> keeps on giving. Yeah. The long nights and right. you know it never stops. So I think there are certain aspects of what they do is great. I do like their work life balance, and I think just for our mental health here as a country, we need to work on that. Because I mean, even me, like I mean, to a fault, uh, I'm always on my phone. I'm always thinking. Like you know, I can't. I can't really take a break. Do you do you bring that into your current? position? Do yes. you utilize that in a way yes. to, to realize? So what we do here, I encourage people to take vacation, which is actually crazy because when you look at the average, I think of my company, people take about 13 days off. I mean, I'm leading the way here. I'm going out for four weeks. So right. I try to tell them it's okay to get out. It's okay to have your me time. It's okay. So like we are also really flexible. Um, if you have, you know, things going on, like I, I don't want you to be in the office if your mind is going to be at home. So be at home, but then make sure you get your job done. So like there are certain things that, that we've implemented that I'm really proud of. And people give, I mean, here's the thing. If 90% of the employees are, are actually following the rules and delivering to me, it's a huge win. And that's the case in my company. It's so funny. Uh, entrepreneurs, uh, individuals are the, the ones who tell everybody to do something and then they don't do it, right? <laughs> uh, about two or three years ago, we did I did an interview with Channel 8 and they came to the office and it was all about the vacation time and what we give away to everybody. And we went through the whole thing and everybody talked about how much great vacation time they have. And then they were interviewing me and they said, so how, how much interview or how many uh, vacation days do you take? And I started laughing and I went, I don't really take a vacation. I go, I'm, I'm the most guilty one here. Yeah. Uh, so, so you you take that, you do the same thing, you you kind of put that in to your current company to understand the the way that you operate and the process that you kind of go through with them. Yeah. Is there something that you do with those individuals to that's different, that's unique, that you learn from someone that you? Yeah, I think. Um... I mean, in terms of being unique, and again, because maybe I've worked in all the big firms and those guys are, I mean, they have chief cultural officers and chief human, I mean, again, they're leading the way. I mean, when you think of Google, we're a Google partner and, and I get to work a lot with Google and Facebook as well. And you see some of the perks and some of the things that they do. I mean, unfortunately, if I could afford doing half of what they do, I would. Yeah. I mean, but is that really if, real? I mean, if, think about this. They have got more money than anything. That's like yeah. Apple, right? Yeah. Think about that culture and that environment. And at the end of the day, uh, the little guys out here, 
we can't afford to go, you know what? It's we're having free breakfast, free lunch for everybody. Yeah. Uh it's it just it, But you know what's in the interesting to. part? Despite you do all that, they still have very high turnovers. It's incredible turnover, isn't it? it yeah. That's not the answer. So right? so again, like you can give things for free, you can do things for free, but at the end of the day, is, are people feeling fulfilled in their jobs? Are people feeling, you know, do they feel like there's a career for them? Do they see a future within your, so I think there's a lot of other factors that everybody needs to still to figure out. I don't think no one has the answers today, by the way. Right. And believe me, I meet with entrepreneurs of huge companies and I've got friends who are amazingly successful and, you know, we go and play golf or do whatever. And I promise you, every single one of them, when we talk, it's our, their biggest concern is the human element of the business. Because at the end of the day, without the employees, we don't have a business. That's right. So you got to figure that out and understand what's that secret sauce that's going to keep things going. And I think each business is different. And I think for us at Vanix, we went, it's actually fine because the company is 18 or 19 years old now. And when people tell me, how do you describe it? And I'm like, as a four-year startup that's still trying to find itself. Because we went through a lot of transformation, a lot of turnover, because we had to hire a lot of new people. Some people came in and it wasn't the right culture for them. So we had we learned so much in the last four years. I think to me, the last four years of experience at Advanix has been the best, the most rewarding in my career. Do you worry about robots? Uh, no, I mean, not, well, I mean, here's the thing. A lot of what I can, a lot of what we do today can be automated. So in fact, like for example, you know, Google AdWords, there's all of these softwares using AI and even Google themselves that are incorporating machine learning and AI into everything they're doing. So can it replace out a hundred percent humans? No, because you still need someone to make sure that those keywords are relevant or that locations make sense and things of that nature. But can you replace five people with that plus a software? Absolutely, yes. Right. Uh, and I think the biggest concern of advertising, you know, in the advertising world today is that, is that automation piece. I, I think, I mean, I own an agency. I think agencies won't be needed in 15 years from now. I promise. No, don't say that. I mean, I'm talking at least about my industry. Yeah. No. <clears throat> yeah, because the reality, maybe for the creative aspect of it, and even then, I mean, you see all of these AI things. They're, Chase signed a five-year agreement with this company that in real time can create creative and messaging that, tailored to you in real time right so like i mean you start seeing all of these things coming out of silicon valley and tel aviv in israel as well they're one of the leading cities in the world in ai and you wonder you know <laughs> what where so am i scared no but do i need to adopt and learn yes and make it make sure that when the transition is happening i'm part of it so as a service business and part of service of what you do because that is what's happening how do you adjust and change i mean the, the old analogy that if it, you're not changing quicker than it is outside around you, you're going to fail. But when you're a service business, it's about the relationships, and and that can't be taken away. Yes. So so how does your team interact differently, or how do you interact differently when it comes to the service part? Yes. So there's the value that comes back. So I think one thing that's I think kind of cool about my experience is that I started my career in the hospitality industry, and also I worked for Hilton. So. Or also back home, a lot of the family businesses in the in the hospitality world. So, I grew up around service, so I know it's about you know building relationships. At the end of the day, I can tell you right now, you look through my portfolio of client, about fifty or sixty percent of the clients are through relationships. 
either throughout the years or people that I meet every day or it's either people I play soccer or tennis, golf with. I mean, depend. like seriously, I mean, when you look at it, it's you've all got, about relationships. You've got a lot of time on your hands, it sounded like to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, you I'm know, sorry. I mean, I, I play golf you're going, on You're going away for like four <laughs> weeks. we got soccer, golf, I mean, you You're know. just hearing the good things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do not want to know what happened to me the last 11 months before right. I decided to take right. that month off <laughs> and go to Cambodia and chill in <laughs> temple for three days with monks uh, without a phone, silence. Stream. Anyway, so yeah. yeah, so that's gonna be fun. Um, but no, I think in my mind, you know, you cannot replace the human element at the end of the day. An airline, can you go along with an Alexa, for example, you know, instead of a person? Absolutely, but you still wanna meet Tracy and say hi to her and do this. Uh, I mean, every job in a way would in the future can be in, you know, automated or be replaced right. by a robot, but the reality is that human element is very important. It's, I mean, we're here to stay, right? Right, right. So I think, um, as as a company, we're really good at that. We build, we have very good uh, client uh, retention. I think in the '80s, which is kind of awesome for an agency. Uh, and a lot of it, it's honestly, we invested in account managers. So actually, when I joined Advanix, we didn't even have an account management team. So now we have account managers, and we have a VP who manages the account managers. We spend a lot of time being proactive, understanding what the client's needs are before they even know what their needs are. Uh, we spend, I mean, you sit down with some of my account managers, you would think they work for those businesses because that's one of the requirements that I have is like you need to be an extension of their team. They need, when they call you and they tell you, hey, you need to remove this product from the website, you don't tell them in what page or what, what, what are you referring to. You better know what product that is. So I think we've done a fantastic job uh, building those relationships with clients. And uh, one of my biggest clients just renewed for the fourth year now. Oh wow! And they're in Canada. They're not even in the U.S. So, did yeah. they move to Canada? Or no, they... no. They were just a Canadian-based company owned by an American company, okay. owned by right. GSO that's owned by Blackstone. Okay. And um, you know, again, relationships. And right. we went there, and we've been, we've done the relationship opened the door to pitch in, but everything that has happened ever since is all on us, and it's the quality of the work you know that the team puts in every day. So, if you think in five years, you're going to be out of business. 15, I said. All right, let's go 15. Yes. Well, let's talk about what, what are you going to do in the next five? Because you're, you're uh, that's only, that's, that's it's like, boom, it's here. Yeah. So I think, well, one of the things we, we do as an agent, again, and you mentioned that, like we have no other options but change. Right. Right. Like I think if you're a brand and, excuse me, if you have 90 billion in the bank, you have the luxury to, uh, like, well, let's see how this plays, right? Right. As an agency, if you keep hearing AI and machine learning, you better get into that game, right? So right. we actually are a partner with an AI and machine learning platform. Okay. And all of the media buy that we do goes through there. Uh, so we're adopters. Right. And uh, as we are testing and learning, we might start being creators. Right. Uh, and I think that's the direction I would like to take is like, let's learn everything that's happening around me and then let's create something and then be, you know, be a provider of a solution rather than a service. Yeah. And it's interesting because things are, they, they compound quicker than they used to. Yes. Uh, we joke about it in our industry that we used to receive a resume by fax. Actually, take it even a step further, they used to mail resumes to yeah. us. And, and today, uh, electronically and email, I mean, we, we never take them by fax. First of all, we won't even take them in the mail anymore. They have to be electronic. And we will actually have people that will send send something and then call us and go, did you get it? Well, when did you send it? Uh, two seconds ago. It, and I mean, because we've yes. become that, and, and I guess in the, in the digital side for you as well, that's the same way the client is, right? That they want it. I know I'm a high maintenance client. Yes. To our company that we yes. work with. 
and I'm not even going to say, yes. I, I'm guilty. Yes. Right? And it's terrible, and I yes. need to chill. Uh, but we do. We want it now. Yes. So, and, and I think setting up the right expectations, and again, I'm very blessed and lucky to have the team that I've built. Uh, and I know um, one of my VPs was a guest actually in April's podcast, and everybody text started texting me after. It's like, oh my God, she's amazing. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I think the reality is when I put in talent, because like I can't be everywhere, right? Because right. Um, I think one of the mistakes I was making early on talking about failures is I tried to be her and John, my VP of ops, and the growth guy, and the ops guy, and the chief digital officer, write a book, speak, you can't do all that. So I got to a point where I had to take a step back and be like, well, how can I handle the very high maintenance clients while I can still keep my sanity? Well, the reality is by putting a lot of senior experienced people in those accounts, I've been able to build that trust where they honestly right now, we used to go from, hey, can you approve this and this to that, to literally now, I don't want you to email me at all. Right. Continue doing what you're doing because I'm busy. And I think to get to that point to me, that was the biggest success for me in the past four years is to get to the point where clients from the get-go now, uh, either the new ones that we sign on, they already feel very good about being with us. And the ones that are with us feel even better. Again, like I'm telling you about the retention right, on all right. these guys renewing, because it speaks volume, I think, about the team that I have, because the reality is if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here even today on a Wednesday at 2.45 p.m. on a podcast because I'll be dealing with a client fire. And um, yeah. Do you, do you have a takeout person? Do you have someone that you've mentored that you see that could take over for you? That Do you have that person? Um, I think both my two VPs, um, again, they're, they, this is their first year with me because I couldn't afford both of them. Again, they, come one, they both come from very big agencies. And I waited until I could hire both at once because I was like, either I do it once and go through the training once or I don't do it. <laughs> right, so right. I, I went and, and I did it earlier this year. Um, I think the two of them can absolutely take over in the next two years. And then there's actually um, a, my senior growth manager. He was an intern at Advanix, my company, uh, back three years and a half ago. He was going to school at Virginia Tech. He was financing, in, uh, sorry, he was majoring in finance. We met. And I was like, well, this, this is what digital marketing is all about. And he found it fascinating. And I think, honestly, if I know that kid is going to become CEO one day of something. Right. Because I've, you know, all the things we hear about millennials, he's the complete opposite of everything I've ever heard about millennials. He's hungry. He's driven. He's a grateful about, for the opportunity. He's always the first. Uh, we had um, one of our clients, um, it's a French company, uh, they have big offices in China and they needed us to do a project, he was the first one to volunteer to go. So like just the right attitude. And right. he's all about learning, learning. And I think he's not ready to take over just because again, he's been out of college three years and a half, but is someone that I can see in the next 10 years, not even taking over my company, but having his own and doing extremely well in life. It could be a mini you, right? So you speak four languages. Yeah. 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 Yeah, could be right there. Could be right. I don't know. Well, he only speaks one, so I'm working. <laughs> I'm working. I'm working on that part. But yeah, yeah, and I, and I take pride of that. And I think again, I'm I'm the result of many people that believed in me, and I think uh, he'll be the result of many people who's gonna believe in him. Two final questions. Uh, I hit you with these real quick. You ready? Sure. All right. Most proudest moment in your history, work history, work history. Yeah. Um. I think when Advanix was nominated for an award earlier this year at the Glossy, and the Glossy is like a fashion marketing award, 
uh, in New York City, and we were probably every big agency in the country was there, and we were like literally people Alvenix what, and right. that was a very big proud moment for me. That's because, awesome. Because I, you know, I've always seen us. We didn't win, but to me, I was a winner just by being there that night. Just the the group you were associated. Absolutely. Most famous person you ever met. Oh God. Uh, uh, well, I met um, Cristiano Ronaldo, a soccer player, okay. legend, one of the wealthiest athletes in the world. So I, yeah, um, I actually was an extra in a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio once, yeah, and Russell Crowe. So another two. Yeah, I met a lot of famous people. Yeah, I always tell people Grandpa from the Munsters. <laughs> yeah. People always laugh. Yeah. Uh, but it was a great time. I, everybody has their little thing that they've met somebody. I was absolutely. I, I was playing slots uh, at Bally's in Vegas, and he sat down next to me. I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate you coming, man. This Thank was, you so uh, much for having me. This was very interesting. Guys, it's uh, called Voice Search, the new search engine. Uh, wrote it with Courtney. Yes. And and Courtney, I, how long have you known Courtney? Uh, for over seven years. Her seven and I years. were co-workers at Hilton, and then she moved on to be the head of digital at Children's Hospital. Okay. She's doing phenomenal work there. And um, she's even a client. So it's awesome. Yeah, she's it's awesome. A, it's a very interesting book about the new search engine by Voice Search. Uh, you can find it on your your favorite uh, online store, Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon, like a, Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble. Yeah. You get it everywhere. It helps support uh, the cost here. It, this was awesome. People want to find out more about your company. Where do they go? Sure. Uh, they can go to advanixdigital.com and they can follow me on Twitter. Um, it's at abintahar1. Awesome. Hey, uh, next week we have uh, Bobby Barajas. He's the uh, Chief Revenue Officer for Guide IT, and Plano is going to be joining us. And then Mark Cuban. It's going to be an awesome, awesome week next week, guys. So thank you very, very much, uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Remember to uh, subscribe, like, link in with whatever that <laughs> stuff is, uh, podcast here at Apple or Spotify. And thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.